2: Uh, wines. I find them extremely
0: helpful in helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.
3: What is up, everybody? Welcome to the DNVR Nuggets podcast presented by Total Beverage. I'm your host, Adam Matez, and this is a very special episode of the DNVR Nuggets podcast as I am joined by John Beckett, JB, assistant coach, newly named assistant coach for the Denver Nuggets, Uh, JB got his start with the Nuggets back in 2014 as a player development coach, was promoted to director of player development, and then just this summer was promoted to assistant coach. We spend a nice 45-minute conversation talking about his very interesting career path into the NBA and then going over what player development coaches do, how they work with players and coaching staffs and analytics departments. We also talk about what assistant coaches do on game days, what their routine looks like, And then we talk about the specific players on this Nuggets roster and his experience working with them. Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, Will Barton, Michael Porter Jr. Lots of great stories about those guys and about JB's experience in the NBA that I think you're gonna find really fascinating. So without further ado, let's get to that conversation.
1: All right. I'm joined now by newly named assistant coach. Is that the correct
2: title? Just that a- is that is the correct title. Now.
1: Okay. Assistant coach. Formerly director of player development, now assistant coach, mm-hmm. John Beckett.
2: I like that name. It sounds sounds good. Wait a number of years to get that title. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Congrat. You know what? That's one of the things I wanted to kind of bring up early. Is mm-hmm. so many guys in this from being around. I've been around five years now. Mm-hmm. The time you put in. Mm-hmm. The 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 you know in a corporate world you put in five years you move to this whatever man you put mm-hmm. in
2: a lot of years oh man a lot of years this is my uh, 16th season Uh, started out as an assistant video coordinator uh, with the Hawks Uh, eventually got moved to to video coordinator yeah while I was there in Atlanta those were my titles but um, I was still on the floor a lot working with uh, a lot of the guys that we had there at the time Um, you know during my time there you know some of our young guys were you know Josh Childress uh, yeah Josh Smith um, Al Horford Uh, we had vets there such as you know Joe Johnson um, Tracy McGrady, um, back in my, my rookie year, I had Kevin Willis and Kenny Anderson, so. I've worked with uh, a number of <laughs> players, and you know
1: I've learned a lot from every from everyone. So Kevin Willis is like one of the oldest players at the time. Now I guess yeah. it's a you can play to forty, or whatever. Mm. So you coached a guy that played with, mm. you know, you can go way, way Dan Issel. You yeah. know, <laughs> you <laughs> like the crossover is kind uh-huh. of funny with it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, so I, I saw in your bio though that you actually got your start at TNT. Yeah. Uh, T- tell me about that because I think that's interesting.
2: Uh, crazy story. Um, I played ball. Uh, I finished my career playing ball at uh, Eckerd College, uh, Division Two school in St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, got back, got done with school. Um, you know, I, like most kids who play college basketball, you want to play professionally somewhere. Yeah. Um, so I went back to Atlanta. Um, and started working out there. Um, one of my college coach introduced me to a guy named Greg Pike, who was um, who worked at Turner Sports. He um, was just a friend that I met you know, and we just started talking and I told him my situation and uh, he told me of a, a job over at Turner Sports where I could I could log games in the evening and it worked well okay. for my schedule because during the day I would go work out, play pickleball, then during the evening I would go work. Uh, for people that don't know what logging games is, um, basically I would log baseball, football, and basketball games. So any of those highlights that you see on yeah. TV, yeah. There's guys sitting behind a computer that, you know, they're they're on the computer and they're typing out what each thing is. And if they think it's a good play, they'll they'll code it a certain color or something Wow. Like that. Once the game is over, you're working for a producer and you'll put that highlight together. So it's funny to me because
1: that's tedious work. Oh, very tedious. Very tedious. And like, like sports weird. are fun and everything. Mm-hmm. But a lot of this is like, mm-hmm. you know, you're paying your dues and you go from that to video coordinator before too long, which is kind of similar,
2: right? There's a lot of logging. Yeah, there's a lot of logging, but... You know, the journey that I got to get here is, is, is unique, at least I haven't met too many people who've done it the way I've done um, yeah, I was at Turner and I was logging um, then I ended up going to play overseas for you know, a very short amount of time Came back, didn't really want to do it. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Mm. Um, didn't really know what I was going to do. You know, I still had the evening part-time job over there with Turner sports. Um, a friend of mine uh, knew um, a guy that was in sales with the Hawks. And he was like, look, why don't you just talk to him, you know, see what see what he says. Maybe, you know, you know, he can give you some advice. I was like, sure. Um, I went and talked to him. Next thing I know, he offered me a job as a season uh, ticket sales rep. Mm -hmm. So what that means is, you know, I was on the phone every day. I was in the cubicle uh, making, you know, a ton of cold calls, sending out blast emails, trying to get people to buy, you know, a Chick-fil-A family night. Right. Right. Yeah. Half season plans and stuff like that. And, you know, at the time it was it was cool, but it it wasn't me being in the cubicle, wearing a tie and all that stuff. That wasn't what I wanted to do. So during the evenings, uh, we would play basketball on the practice courts. It was connected to Philip Serena at the time. Um, I got to know the video coordinator over there whose name was Luke Steele. Um, had no idea what a video coordinator was at that time. So um, we became friends and I told him, look, you know, anytime I don't have responsibilities with my job, can I come down and just shadow you and see what you do? And he was like, yeah, sure. So I came down there and I started seeing what he was doing and, you know, learning that basically a video coordinator is kind of like entry level to the NBA, for, especially for a lot of guys like myself who never had the opportunity to play in the NBA.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so I was like, this is, this is what I want to do. Um, so I started coming around anytime I had free time. I started to talk to everybody on the basketball operations side, anybody that would listen to me. At the time it was uh, Billy Knight. Uh, I was talking to Chris Grant, who at the time was assistant GM. I talked to any of the scouts that were around, the secretaries. I didn't care. I was just trying to get you know my foot in the door. Um, probably about Damn. six months go by, they had an opening for an assistant video coordinator and. I guess they got tired of me, you know, bugging and talking to them, and they offered me the job.
1: There's some industries where you just know everybody in it is impressive, and this is one of them because of mm-hmm. these stories. Like you mm-hmm. had to, you had to go through all oh, this yeah. stuff, and Absolutely. it's like you're a basketball mind, but you're doing ticket sales, and you're mm-hmm. doing all. The, then you're doing video mm-hmm. coordinator. Um, but tell me about the video coordinator job, just for real briefly, because mm-hmm. every video coordinator I talk to, mm-hmm. they talk about I thought I knew the game until mm-hmm. I did that job, and mm-hmm. then
2: that was like. I had. That's where I really learned the game. Did you oh, feel the same way? Oh, same way. I remember my, my first meeting with uh, with Mike Woodson and all the other assistant coaches at the time. You know, we're sitting there and you know we're talking about different pick and roll coverages. We're talking about our our different you know offensive schemes. And you know, I played in high school. I played in college. Played you know briefly overseas. I thought I had a good grasp of basketball. When I got in that room. And like they started talking, you know, you try to act like you know what right. you're saying. When you're looking around and like, man, what are they talking about? Right. It was just so different, you know, the the, the terminology, just yeah. the the depth that they go into, you know, talking about offense and defense. Like I I never knew before I got into the NBA how much went into game planning. Just one game, it's
1: it's a lot of work. I'm hyper aware of this in large part because you know, I've played college as well. Mm-hmm. I know the game, I think, better than most people. Mm-hmm. And I've done this for five years now and mm-hmm. every year I realize I don't know anything yeah. about the game. Like yeah. I'm breaking down and doing some analysis stuff and mm-hmm. it's like people are like oh that's a deep dive I'm like no man that's a shallow dive yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm showing you like the three uh, things I can really simplify mm-hmm. but there's a mm-hmm. lot there I don't even I don't mm-hmm. know let's go backwards though for even okay. we're going to keep going forward but I want to go backwards real quickly because okay. I love this question mm-hmm.
2: what kind of player were you? Oh man, yeah. It depends who you talk to. Some of my teammates <laughs> might tell you I, I I shot too much. Okay. Um, but okay. In my head, I think I think I was a, I was a pretty good player. I had a you know a good high school career. Um, we had a, a really good team in high school. We're uh, ranked in the top ten in the state most of my senior year. Uh, made it to the Elite Eight. Lost to the eventual state state champions. Um, Were there any big names in the state at the time? Um, during my time Probably the, the top Two guys Were probably I don't even know If you know Because it's been a while Beyond mm. Glover okay. Played at Georgia Tech Then eventually Played in the NBA Played with the Hawks A little bit And then Jermaine Jones yeah. Played <laughs> at Georgia And then played I think with Philly And probably a few other teams okay. in the NBA. But those yeah. are probably The two top guys But in my class My class was You know Baron Davis, uh, Lamar Odom, uh, Elton Brands. So, That's a good, class. Yeah, good <laughs> class. Yeah. <laughs> right class. yeah, it's a pretty good class. It's an all right class. pretty good class there.
3: I'm going to get back to the interview with JB, but first I want to tell you about the Never Summer Celebration Party that Breckenridge Brewery is helping to team up and throw this Saturday. Do you have plans this Saturday, November 9th at Punch Bowl Social, Never Summer's opening day. It's like a kickoff festival for winter. Going to be a lot of fun, and Breckenridge Brewery is going to be there. Free beer. Who doesn't like a party with free beer celebrating the ski season and snowboarding season and just the winter season? Um, so you're going to want to check that out. If you don't have anything else going on, you're looking for a party. November 9th, the Never Summer Opening Day Party at Punch Bowl, who's uh, partnered with Breckenridge Brewery. Check it out.
1: We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers.
0: Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market.
2: Sometimes customers will ask
1: us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician, where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have referred people to Piper and Piper to them.
0: From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs.
1: okay let's move on to just player development Um, broad question here but just like what all falls under the player development
2: umbrella Uh, that's a broad that is really broad (laughs) Um, I mean obviously it's the stuff on the court but for me it's, it's a lot deeper than that it's you know, helping these guys become professionals. And when I say become professionals, like we always talk around here about building professional habits. So building professional habits is not only developing a routine on the court of, you know, your shots. So when I say your shots, it's shots that you're gonna get in the game. So if you're a guy who really doesn't get post-ups, we're not going to spend a lot of time doing post-ups. Right. Um, if you're a guy that's really not a shooter, we'll spend some time on shooting, but a lot of our time is going to be you maybe slashing or cutting to the basket in different finishes around the rim. But besides all the stuff on the court, it's, you know, you know are you getting your sleep? Is your, is, your, is your diet correct? Um, whatever injuries you have, are you getting there in time enough to get in the training room before you get on the court to get that treated? Um, it's the recovery so it's player development is not just you know stuff on the court it's you know it encompasses all that and you know player development yeah it involves myself and you know Ogie and, and Stephen Graham and, and Boney we just hired this year but it's you know it's Dan Sheminsky, it's yeah. Steve Short, it's uh, Felipe and Claus it's Matt, total, it's it's everybody.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned sort of obviously the basketball part, footwork, mm. all the stuff you talked mm. about. But how much of a player's development is between the ears? And I'm not even talking about mm. learning the game, but just sort of the learning how to be a professional, learning mm. how to work. Like, how much, in your opinion, mm. falls
2: under that umbrella? I mean, it's a ton. I mean, uh, talking to a lot of people, a lot of these guys when they get to the league, they're already pretty skilled. They're already you know yeah. really developed. Um, especially these days a lot of these guys already have personal trainers you know from the time they're in high school so for us when they come here it's kind of the little things and like you like you said it's the thing between the between the years it's your mind that's what we're trying to develop yeah we're trying to develop those off the court habits and on the court but also getting you on the court is knowing you know what coach Malone's schemes is uh it's knowing what's a good shot what's a bad shot and I think a lot of times we get young guys that come from college, they don't really know what their shots is. What yeah. they think is going to be their shot is yeah. not really going to be their shot when they get to the NBA. And eventually, maybe will. Maybe some of these guys will develop into that type of role. But I think the problem is a lot of guys when they come here is they got to realize that you go into a team you are gonna have to play a role. Now, if you go to a team that's maybe struggling, you might have a bigger role where you get more shots and you get the freedom to make mistakes. You know, a team like we have right now that's, you know, you know, we did it good last year, 54 wins, second round of playoffs. Uh, We kind of have established roles with, you know, Jokic and Murray and Harris and Millsap. So when you come here, you got to kind of maybe feel your way, okay, where am I going to get the shots? Uh, How do I play off Joker? How do I play off Jamal Murray? How do I play off Gary Harris's cuts? Uh, How do I play off of Paul Millsap when he's posting up? So I think a lot of the times our player development is not just, you know, the skill work, but it's also them understanding. You know, offensive schemes, but also the defensive schemes. With this part of it,
1: it this the, the sort of non-basketball but life stuff. Mm. Is is this your role, or is this mm. a real tightrope to walk? When it's hey, you're going out too much. You know, do you ever step mm. into that? Or this person in your life is uh, becoming a distraction? Or is that mm. a thing where there's a wall there, and you maybe see it, but it's I got to stick to this side of it.
2: Yeah, there, there, there probably is. You know, a, a little boundary you don't want to go too far in into that realm, but. You know I feel like you know with the role that I have and I s- spend so much time yeah. with these guys you know uh, I, I want to see them all be successful so if someone is you know spending maybe a little bit too much time you know doing stuff off the court I'll mention it and I'll probably mention it again mm-hmm. I can't force anybody yeah. to, do, you know to stay in their house and stuff like that but you know I, I feel like if I don't mention it you know I'm doing those guys a disservice mm-hmm, that's good um How much
1: has changed with player development over the last decade? One of my philosophies on NBA basketball is that Mm. it's obviously evolving. Mm. It seems like it's evolving almost quicker. And the game, Mm. even five years ago, is just a little bit different than it is now. Mm. Does that affect the way, like in the offseason, you're like, okay, this thing we didn't think was important, now we're going to work with players on this? Or is it maybe not so quick
2: in your eyes? Well, you know, like I said, I guess I'm getting old now because this is my 16th year. Uh, When I first started, you know, player development wasn't as – you know there wasn't as much going on as it is now um, over the years you just seen more teams hire guys that are specifically for player development just to work with guys and, and, and getting better uh, when I first came in there wasn't anything like that over the years you hired guys but even when you hired guys you know right at least in yeah. Atlanta I never saw you know the type of work that gets put in like it is now um, I think what really opened my eyes to really see how much player development can do um, was probably when I was in Atlanta and uh, Danny Ferry took over. Um, he hired a guy who, you know, you know of him is Kenny Atkinson, who was the head coach of Brooklyn. And Kenny came to us, you know, he had a really good reputation in terms of player development. And from Kenny, I learned a ton from him in the one year I was with him in, in, in Atlanta, um, just the way how he attacked it every day. And it wasn't just... He got on the court and he just got shots up with guys. It was something where he had a plan. Yeah. Uh, he watched film. He, he looked at all the different stats. So anything he worked on with guys on the court was something that you know they needed to work on and they needed to work on for some guys to get on the court or for some guys that are on the court to be successful. Um, and just seeing you know just you know how he attacked it every day, how he had a plan. His energy. I mean, he had crazy energy every day. Can he be the first one in the office on the bike? Why he's on the bike he's watching film? Yeah. Um so He seems like that guy. Yeah, he is he is that guy. And you know, I learned a ton from him and you know, I tell them all the time. Like, you know, a lot of stuff that I do now—the you know, workouts I do, the energy I have, how I organize it—you know, a lot of it came from Kenny Atkinson.
1: And
2: you mentioned numbers in there,
1: and like analytics are now like a word that means different things to every mm-hmm. single person. But mm-hmm. how much do numbers play
2: a, a role in what you do when you're working with players? It's it's huge. It's right. huge. Um, like for example, I can't go to a player and be like, "Man, you you're he, struggling on your uh, your corner threes. Okay, they're right. just going to walk away, but if I could say, alright, you're shooting, you know, 30% on corner threes, which is the bottom 20 percentile among starting guards, then it will be like, okay, they're going to listen. So, you know, I would use the numbers and then we use the video to back up what we're saying. Um... Do I use numbers? Is it the end all, be all? No, but right. I think numbers help in terms of backing up what we're trying to show. With scouting reports, and I
1: guess even with numbers, when you're
2: working mm. on players,
1: is there a level? I mean, is it in your mind at all times this uh, paralysis by analysis? Like mm. I got to give them just enough mm. to make an impact, but not too much that it's, mm. you know it's confusing.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough because it's just like you know you know if I'm telling a guy that you know, he drives left sixty seven percent of the time. It doesn't mean he can't go right. It's just, you know, when you're guarding a guy and we look at the stats, and let's say he does go 67% to the left, and, you know, the numbers show he's more effective getting to the left hand. When you're guarding him, all right, well, maybe I'm going to cut off that left, or maybe I'm going to anticipate when I'm guarding him, he wants to get to the left hand and, you know, try to get him to go to the right and make him take a tough shot. You're like, when we give those numbers, it doesn't mean that guys can't make shots from certain areas or they can't drive this way. A lot of times it's just, you know, if he struggles or he's not as good doing something else, okay, let's just force him to do that. Mm. About
1: summer routines, I know nowadays, you mentioned there used to be not a ton of player development coaches. Now there's like a staff of it everywhere. Mm -hmm. But now everybody also has their own coach or several coaches. Mm -hmm. What's the relationship like? What are the dynamics like between Mm -hmm. you and,
2: say, a, a player's personal trainer? um i mean each one is different some of the guys i see uh, more than others um and when they come around we have we have good relationships we talk some of them are really good where they'll reach out to me and ask okay what do i need to work on with this players other ones kind of you know they like to work on whatever they feel their play needs to work on i don't really mind it um because i'm around these guys so yeah, much yeah Uh, I feel like, you know, if, you know, I keep doing it even during the summertime, you know, my voice uses, loses maybe, you know, some of that power. Um, So I feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, if they have guys in the summer, that's fine. Um, Our guys do a really good job of going out and visiting them. Um, Not only myself, it's Ogi and Stephen Graham and, you know, Boney, we'll we'll throw him in the mix this year as well. Um, So we'll go visit guys and then- Did you go to Serbia? I didn't go to Serbia, usually because- you know, Ogi's from Serbia, yeah. yeah. so that's a chance <laughs> for him to go home and, and see family and stuff yeah. like that. So I haven't been to Serbia, but Ogi, you know, he's always going back and forth to visit Nikola and to check on Do
1: you have any interest in going to Serbia? Because some people really
2: want to go and some people Listen, be like, Man. Uh, I've heard great things. Like Ogi keeps telling me about Belgrade. Yeah. Um, the front office tells me about Belgrade. Yeah. Everybody loves Belgrade, so yeah. at some point I need to go and, and visit and see what the hype is about. When did you learn—
1: that you would be promoted to assistant coach?
2: Uh, probably maybe like a month after the season. That's okay. When, uh, coach uh, put me in the office and, you know, he told me and it was, you know, obviously I was very excited. I was very excited because like I said, it you know, 16 years, I've never had that title. So I had that title. Correct
1: me if I'm wrong, but you, I think you're, are the the only holdover from Brian Shaw's coaching staff to go
2: to Malone's coaching staff? Uh, Ogie was there too. Oh, he was. Yeah, Ogie was there too. When when I was with uh, Coach Shaw's staff, I was the uh, assistant player development. Ogie was doing a video. So me and Ogi are the only ones left. Wow, are yeah, yeah. the only ones left.
1: That's wild. I just have to imagine that's a big moment because, like you said, it's mm-hmm. uh, you had a goal mm-hmm. several years ago uh-huh. to get to this point. Do you do you aspire to be a head coach one day?
2: Absolutely, I, w- I would love to be a head coach. Um, and you know, each each step has been very important to me. I've, mm. I've always you know told myself I don't want to skip steps um, from doing video to doing player development. And now it. you know, doing the assistant coach. I've learned, you know, basically the NBA from the bottom floor up and I feel like it's helped me develop into the coach that I am and the coach that I will become. Um, So, you know, yeah, I I love it. I mean, of course, there's times you wish, you know, the whole process can go a little bit faster. um, But as you sit back and you look at it, everything needed to happen for me to get to where I'm at right now.
1: I love that you said that we don't skip steps because mm-hmm. we, we made a shirt about this. We kind of like trying to make that the trust the process of Denver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's because
2: Conley and Malone mm-hmm.
1: have said it so much, and uh-huh. it, it cracks me up because it's so baked into the culture there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even in this conversation, it can kind of come out.
2: Uh, it's huge. It's the same thing we, we, we talk to our players. It's you know the young guys we have now. You know they get frustrated at times because they would like to play you know more than the, than what they're doing. And you just got to tell them. You look at our team; we're, we're full of that. Uh, you know, Gary Harris's yeah. rookie year, he he barely played, and then, you know he struggled his rookie year. Came back his second year, and you know he was really good. Now he's, he's a starter; he's a proven starter in this league. And you can go from Monte Morris, you can go to Torrey Craig, you can go to you know Malik Beasley, even someone like Paul Millsap, who wasn't here. But you look at his career; right, it's, it's yeah. the same thing. He had to work and he had to grind to get where he got to. So, you know, a lot of it is telling our young guys just to, you know, hang in there, continue to work hard, and the opportunity is going to come. So, I know, I've
1: just talked to enough coaches, and, and you know, I have some friends throughout the front office, even coaching staff. Mm. The hours I know are crazy. Mm. Give me give me a day in the life, a game day in the life of an okay. assistant coach.
2: All right, game day. So, let's say we have shooting shoot around at 11. I'm usually in the office between 7 and 7.30 uh for me when i get there at that time um you know I, I i put together the schedule for you know the pregame shooting so i'll get here the first thing i'll do is i'll put the schedule for the pregame shooting together what goes into that though i'm gonna pause here like how do you determine um, what you're gonna do you know i i guess you know i just learned from coaches throughout the past that, I, that i've been around it's always been you know a lot of times the young guys always go first and then for mm. guys who are vets, you know, I'll let them, you know, I'll go to them and be like, okay, what time, you know, do you want to shoot? And by that, we'll go by years. So, obviously, Paul has the most years, so we'll see where you want to go. And then I'll just work my way down from that. But I usually, love
1: this. I never, I, this is like, it's, to you it's natural, <laughs> but to me, yeah. I'm like, of course. Yeah, this yeah. is hilarious. <laughs>
2: yeah, so, you know, we, we just go by years. And young guys really don't have no say. you are always going to be early. If we're on the road, you're on that early bus to get there to get the right. extra and stuff like that. Um, But, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do the schedule and then um, I do the personnel for each team. Uh, usually it's already done the night before, but when I come in, I'll maybe clean it up. Let's say the team is on the back-to-back and I already have stats in there. I might have to change some of those stats because, you know, they just played last night. Um, I'll look it over see if there's maybe anything I need to change. I'll talk to whoever coach, um, scout that is that game, and I'll show them the scout because a lot of times we don't want to have the same clips mm. so if, they have, if i have a clip that they have i'll switch it out and stuff like that they'll look through the edit and see if there's anything maybe you know i should add or maybe anything i should change and then the night before i always set up set out a schedule for player development in the morning so not only do we have player development before the game we have player development before the shoot around oh, wow. so if it's um a 10 o'clock shoot around usually we'll start about nine forty-five on the court so we'll start on the court at 8.40 and then we'll go until 9.40 and then we'll do shoot around up until 11 o'clock um, and then we get another shoot around you got a couple of hours to really some guys go home some guys stay up here uh, some guys stay to do work and everything and then usually I'm back in the arena around 2, 2.30 up until game time
1: and then, but after game time I mean is it okay game's over let's all take a break or is Ooh. it game time is like halftime. yeah like it, there's not
2: too much to, to, to take a break because you know everyone every coach has a different responsibility Yeah. Like, you know if you look at our bench during the game everyone is carrying a yeah. clipboard mm-hmm. and so there's stuff you have to chart for me the stuff that i chart i got to go back in the game and i re-watch the game to see okay if i was right because you know sometimes you know the flow of the games and then a lot of times where i'm sitting behind the bench you know i got mm-hmm. a player in front of me or something so i can't see as good as i yeah. want to see so i have to rewatch it and you know, something that I thought I saw during the game yeah. like, that really wasn't it, so I, I could change that stat or that number. Um, so after the game, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe watch the game if we're on the road and we're flying somewhere. I'll definitely watch it on the plane. If we're home, you know, I got to get home to my fiance. She, yeah. you know, she hasn't seen me all day, so she, you know, I got to spend some time with her.
1: Right, it's <laughs>
2: always the tough balance.
1: So. I sat behind Coach Thibodeau one time, a couple Mm. years back. Mm. And his phrase that he would use whenever he wanted something on the clip, he'd look over at the bench and he'd say, Mm. put it on the list. And Mm. he would just scream it just like, I don't Uh. know why it cracks me up. Uh. Does Malone have a a thing he
2: says when it's like, oh, yeah, put that on the edit. Put it on the edit, (laughs) okay. We have have a halftime edit. So, you know, if something happens or somebody, you know, didn't follow the defensive scheme or offensively something wasn't run the right way, usually it might be an ATO. He'll uh, <laughs> yeah. be like, you know, put it on, put it on the uh, edit, and that's what he'll say to it. So I have a new series called
1: "The List" is for my listeners. Uh-huh. That's where it comes from. Is the Thibodeau thing? So oh, maybe really? I should have called it the Edit. Yeah, you know, the, whatever made the edit from the <laughs> night before. Uh, yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, Malone's fun to watch in, in the game. I love Malone. I love watching him in games because oh, you
2: feel it. Oh yeah, he's, he's intense. He gets into it.
1: What is what? What? What pisses off a of coaching staff the most? So you mentioned the ATO. Like you, yeah. should, you come out of the timeout. Yeah. And you screw that up. is that like
2: number one um I, I don't know if it's number one but it's it's up there it's yeah. up because it's one of those things where you know you play you play ball yeah. before like when you don't pay attention like let's say you're on the second team and the first team is going through the offense and then the second team come on you're running the exact same play right. but if somebody messes it up coaches get so yeah. mad because we just went over that play yeah and now you just messed it up like that's just showing me that you weren't paying attention and maybe you used up a, a resource a timeout absolutely. you used
1: that up to just not absolutely. and it's man, oh. no no absolutely.
2: absolutely i got it i got it but yeah like atos is something that you know that's that's pretty high up there um a defensive scheme like you know if we have a game plan that we're trying to do and you know you don't do it that'll that that'll upset a coach yeah um if we know a, a guy's a cutter or a slasher, and, you're on that weak side and you turn your head and he cuts behind you, that'll that'll get somebody upset. Yeah. It's basically anything that we really go over and you mess up, that can really, you know, get a coach upset. DNVR listeners, we're excited to tell you about some
3: game-changing coffee. Strava craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible. CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. It's all natural, not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully. Check it, check it out yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code DNVR 20 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door.
1: Let's talk about some of the players here. Mm -hmm. Um, Gary Harris was basically the first player in because you were yeah. here in 2014. Yeah. He was in 2014. Just mm-hmm. let's go back there. Uh-huh. What were your first interactions like with him? And
2: did you know right away he was going to be a worker? Um, Yeah, because when you work with somebody every day, you could just tell by, you know, just the way they work, just being around them, mm-hmm. and, you know, seeing the consistency, seeing the effort. Um, you know, with Gary, you know, when, when he first came, it was tough for him because, you know, he wasn't playing. Um, and then when he when he did play, you know, he didn't shoot the ball well. You know, I don't remember his exact shooting numbers, but I know it was it was, low, yeah. it was pretty pretty low. I think it was some of the lowest in NBA for an NBA rookie. Um, so a lot of times, like guys like Gary, you know, when we had him, you know, it, it's keeping his spirits up, keeping him positive, yeah. uh, keeping his confidence there. Um, and then it's just a lot of time workouts, just a lot of time spending one on one workouts, just a lot of time playing three on three with guys who you know are not in the rotation. Um, It's a lot of just, you know, talking to him and trying to keep him upbeat. Yeah. What
1: about just like some of the stuff you worked on early on there? Mm -hmm. I don't know, were there specific skills that you said this is going to be? A lot of finishing.
2: A lot of finishing. Uh, You know, every time Gary has a finish, you know, a right-right or a floater or, you know, one of his reverse layups, you know, it makes me feel good because I know we spend so much time working on his finishing, Uh, spent a lot of time on his shooting. Um, his ball handling. You know, you know, it's good to see Gary. You know, coming off DHOs, and now he's able to make pocket passes and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And you know, um, just to see how his game has you know developed and matured over the years. You know, you know, puts a smile on your face. Yoke arrives the next summer, mm-hmm.
1: and well, I guess I'll start with actually with Will Barton when he uh-huh. got here, because I know uh-huh. Will Barton was just a different personality mm-hmm. type than what was mm-hmm. on the team at the time. Uh-huh. What were your first impressions and first work experiences like with
2: him? Uh, when he first got here he was excited like uh first thing i remember will was just you know he was excited about the opportunity uh he was in uh portland where he didn't really have an opportunity to play uh, so when he got here and you know he was, he was in the rotation and he was playing he was just excited um and one thing you know about will i can never question is his is his work ethic i mean he, he's one of the harder workers on the team uh he's very consistent um, and he just loves basketball. Will, Will's a guy that you can go into locker room practices ended an hour and a half ago. He's in there talking, you know, NBA history with, mm. you know, whoever's in there talking about, you know, who's the greatest of all time or who's the toughest matchup right now in the NBA. Does Will have good takes
1: like who's the best player of all time? Is he coming in hot with some? some... I think,
2: uh, he he doesn't have outlandish takes. Okay. The thing the thing that I respect about Will when he has his takes, who have numbers or he'll have something to back it up. It's not just something. It's not that's from the, off the wall. yeah, it's, it's something that where. He's seen it, and, you know, he's, he knows the numbers to it, and he'll go ahead and say it. That's yeah. so funny, man. <laughs> also not surprising,
1: though. With a guy like Will, you know, last year was obviously tough for him. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's tough for the team. Absolutely. And when he's trying to come back and just not himself mm-hmm. from, from a coaching standpoint, I mean, mm-hmm. what are you doing with him in those moments? You mm-hmm. mentioned the confidence thing, but mm-hmm. are you trying to alter a player's game in midseason and be like, hey, mm-hmm. this year, you're not going to be last year. You're going to have to do this.
2: Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't. Really try to alter a guy's game. Um, What I what I try to do is try to help them to understand what can help them to be successful right now. Um, You know, you know, Will last year, you know, it was tough coming, getting hurt, and then when he came back, you know, guys that were you know on the bench that were getting minutes, they were playing extremely well. Um, So it mean. I don't know the right word or phrase to say, but, you know, it's a lot of, you know, just trying to build him up, trying to let him know that he's still a very important, you know, part of this team, and a very important piece. You know, it's just, again, trying to stay positive. Like, you know, player development, you know, it's a lot different from being, you know, a head coach or being an assistant coach where, you know, a lot of time, you know, the head coach or assistants, you know, trying to get guys to buy in and you know sometimes if guys are not doing something right you know you have to let them know or you have to maybe Mm. cut their minutes and stuff like that for player development we don't have any control over any of that stuff so a lot of times it's us keeping these guys positive us keeping these guys engaged because you just never know when a guy might go down and you might get called upon so if you're called upon i need you to know okay what are we doing for tonight's game in terms of schemes um you know each team is different how we defend going to be different than how we defend houston right um so if a guy hasn't played in a while you know naturally being you know a human being your mind is going to drip so my job is to keep reminding him, okay this is what we're doing okay when this guy is coming up pick and roll okay Who's, who's going to be our runoff guys? Who's going to be a, a chase guy? Who's going to be a gap guy? So just trying to keep them engaged as much as possible.
1: Is there a coach, so along those lines, we'll get to MPJ in a second, but I'm going to jump there for, mm-hmm. the MBJ's getting ready, you know he's going to check in. Yeah. And is mm-hmm. there a guy that goes down there and is like, hey man, here's the, remember these three things. Like, mm-hmm. is there a guy that's doing that? Or at that point, mm-hmm. you just trust the work you've already put in? No,
2: we trust the work that we put in, um, you know, few times you'll hear coaches, you know, say something to MPJ, not necessarily myself. It might be someone on the front or, you know, one of the other coaches that says stuff to him. Um, but like, you know, usually, you know, the coaches will tell us, OK, someone might get some minutes tonight and who might not get any minutes tonight. So guys that we feel might get in the game, we'll always prep them and try to mm-hmm. give them as much information just to prepare them if they do go into the game
1: imagine Nikola one of the, he's, everything about it is very interesting mm. but first off when before he arrived here mm. did you know about him being on staff did you know about him or was it just one of those things where like he's overseas I'm not, outside I, out of mind I didn't know about
2: him when we drafted him I knew about him throughout the year because um, I remember we had Nurk Nurk yeah. would, would, would mention things about him and obviously Ogi you know being from Serbia you know he would talk about him oh, and yeah. stuff like that so when he came over you know obviously when you see him you don't he's not the typical you know great nba player you know physique and 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 look so when you see him you're like who is who is this guy what can mm-hmm. he do um but once he started playing you you quickly see how skilled he is how you know how much of a basketball iq he has how how smart he is how he's like He's reading the game like two or three steps ahead of, you know, other other people and stuff like that. You no, know, it's funny. When we first got him, you know, I thought he's gonna be in the G League most of the year. You know. <laughs> then you go see what halfway through the year he's you know starting and he's right. putting up, you know, these unbelievable numbers and stuff like that and You know, a lot of credit has to go to, you know, at the time, you know, Steve Hess and Felipe, who was his sister, who, you know, got his body right. And then, you know, Ogi spends a ton of time with him, you know, in terms of player development, working on his game. And, you know, if you ever watch Ogi with them they always like, you know, I tell people all the time, Ogi works on stuff with him and you would never work on with a normal guy. Like right, right, step back jumpers, you know, all these different type of floaters, you know, left hand, right hand um so you know i gotta give a lot of credit to those guys to you know help him develop and get to where he's at
1: so when Jokic in back-to-back games hits fall away right leg one one legged step backs are you sitting there going yeah that's me (laughs) (laughs) i Um,
2: taught him that one (laughs) listen that's that's that that's all talent man the thing about player development man i i feel like you know we definitely do a really good job not just player development but all the coaches and even front the front office like We got guys who used to play ball, they'll come down there and and help out as well. But, you know, saying that when it comes to player development, you know, uh, most of the credit has to go to these guys. Um, You know, we can do all the work in in the world, but if Gary Harris doesn't want to get better, it doesn't mean anything. Right. If Jamal Murray doesn't want to get in the gym or Amante Morris or Torrey Craig or Nikola. So, you know, a lot of credit has to go to those guys and a lot of credit has to go to the front office. You know scouting and drafting and getting guys that you know have that type of mindset let's talk about jamal mm-hmm. uh, just i know you've worked with him a lot mm-hmm. you work i
1: think if i'm not mistaken you mm-hmm. a lot with the guards yeah i do, that I, right? do, I, do yeah.
2: I do i do a lot of stuff with the guards um no, I work with some of the bigs, but yeah, primarily I'm with the guards a ton. So, what's it like with Jamal early on in his career?
1: Just w- what are you noticing about him early on, and, and what are your interactions with him as a player development coach?
2: Me and Jamal have had some knockdown, drag-out arguments. Is that right? Oh yeah, we, we we we've had arguments, man. But me me and our arguments they come from a good place. Yeah. You know? Um The one thing I've learned with Jamal is, you know, he's like, um, you know, when you're in school. Those kids who like excel in, in, in class and they kinda get bored if you if, if they're not challenged. Right. Jamal's kind of that same way. I mean, he's extremely skilled. Like he's not a guy that when we work out, all right, Jamal, you know, one dribble pull-up, all right, two dribble pull ups going to the left. No, like, you know, he wants to be challenged by, you know, you know, some kind of some type of difficulty. Um, me and him are buddy heads because, you know, I want him to take the easy shot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if you have an open shot, you know, take it. You know, yeah. sometimes, you know, he'll get in there and make one of these crazy shots, uh, which only a few people probably in this world can make. And he's, I mean, he's one of them. Um, for me, with Jamal, it's, you know, it's, it's efficiency. Is trying to get him, you know, to to shoot, you know, a high percentage. Uh, he is, you know, so skilled and such a good shooter. Um, there's no reason that at some point in his career, if he's not a 50-40-90 shooter, he's at least close to those type of percentages. And for me, a lot a lot of times, if he has a poor shooting night, I always go back to him and well, let's look at your shot selection. Is okay? What type of shots are you taking? Are there easier shots that maybe you're passing up? Now you get late in the shot clock, and you have to take these difficult type of shots. So, um, for, for 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 Jamal, he's you know he's, he's strong minded, strong headed. However, mm-hmm. however you want to you want to say it, but you know he will listen because you know he does want to be a great player, and you know he does want to excel, and you know he does have goals to be an all star and everything in this league.
1: What's the next step for him? I mean, what's the what's the thing that helps him make the leap? If there's like mm-hmm. one skill or one sort of area of his game. Consistency.
2: Yeah. I think that's the, the thing that, you know, you know, we've been trying to preach to him for the longest time. It's, you know, it's great that you score 48 points. Then the next game, you know, you can't score 8 or 10. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're 18, 22, somewhere 25 and that, just staying in that range and shooting at a good percentage each game, that's going to help you get to that all-star territory. I think a lot of times we're hurting him. It's just the consistency. You know, in years past, you know, he's always started the season out pretty slow. And, you know, we've been trying to, you know, do different things to help get him going maybe earlier in the season. So, for me, with Jamal, it's just the consistency. And it's just him developing not necessary skills on the court, but off the court, like things like leadership. Last one
1: for the players, just mm-hmm. Michael, obviously, really, really fascinating guy, fascinating uh, prospect and absolutely. everything. What? You know, what was last year like with him and then just kind of what do you see from him as a talent
2: mm. um he's one of the more talented players i've ever had the opportunity uh, to work with uh the thing with mike is you know he's you know you don't have to really push him to get in the gym he wants to work right uh probably wants to work too much trying to get him you know to work smarter not harder mm. um you know with him mike is you know we all the coaches we talk about it all the time like Skill wise, there's not much we really have to work with him. Uh, you <laughs> know, he already shoots the ball really well. He already has, you know, a good handle. Um, you know, he can shoot in the mid range. He can finish at the rim, and he has all the, you know, creative finishes that you know we already work on. With Mike, it's you know learning the game, very similar to how you know we talked about young guys when they come here. You know, learning. You know, what's a good shot? What's a bad shot? Um, defensively, especially you know a lot of young guys, and I'm sure we talked to a lot of coaches. It's, you know, that weak side defense, right? Right, Low man awareness. You know, on the ball, guys are usually pretty good, you know, defending and trying to keep guys in front of them. But it's when that ball is on the opposite side and you're on that weak side, a lot of guys don't understand shrinking the floor, low man awareness and stuff like that. So for us with Mike, it's trying to – Help him, you know, improve his you know basketball IQ, um, stuff that you know he needs to do to get on the floor. To not only get on the floor, but also to be successful when he's on the floor.
1: Gotcha. All right, li- I'm gonna lightning round this one. Okay. I would love to talk to you about Bobo and Montez, <laughs> but we'll, we'll have to save that for part two. I got. Uh, you. Maybe next year. I got. You. Um, most explosive athlete you've ever worked with.
2: <sighs> most explosive athlete. Off the top of my head, I probably think Josh Smith. Yeah, that's, but, a, that's a good one. Yeah, but I'm I'm probably missing some guys. I mean, there has been a lot of guys that come through. You had a great view of that Derrick Jones dunk the other day. Derrick Jones is extremely. I'm happy. I'm looking up from this angle. Uh, and It looked like he was going to jump over the rim. So oh man, he's he, he he's an unbelievable athlete. Haven't yeah. I haven't worked with right. Yeah, right, so yeah. I yeah, can't, yeah. I, can't I just came him, to mind thinking about him, it. Put him in there, but. There's, there's been some athletes that I work for, and I know I'm missing some. So if I if I missed you, I apologize. Fareed yeah.
1: maybe up there. Explosive is almost like power and, mm. and whatever. But free just yeah, he well, just ability to get up
2: quick. Free that's a good name too. That he's he's one of the more athletic guys too. Yeah, I, I put him up there.
1: Most skilled. I get, I don't know how you would define this. Everybody define it differently, but just most skilled player.
2: <sighs> man, there has been a lot, man. You know, I already talked about currently. You know, you know the Jamal and the Nikola and the Michael Porter. But off the top of my head right now, probably Joe Johnson. Okay, Joe. Joe technically was, sound. Oh my God, Joe was unbelievable, man. At his size and how big he was, and he could handle the ball, he could shoot the ball, he could post up. He had, you know, the mid-range game, obviously really good floater. Like, Joe was just, you know, he, he was one of the first guys when I started working out. Like I ran out of drills. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he, like he, he just made everything look so easy. So like, you know, probably the most skill that I, I, I could think of was probably Joe John. He had a, people don't know that
1: like the younger generation maybe, mm-hmm. but he had a year he shot fifty percent
2: from three. Fifty
1: mm-hmm. yeah. percent. Yeah. You know, like yeah. no, I, I, p- people, people shoot forty five and we're just like how.
2: You know, people people don't realize how good he really was. Um, but man, he was extremely skilled. Fastest learner
1: somebody you give something to and then like, oh, I thought this was going to take a while.
2: Fastest this learner, mm-hmm. maybe probably Nicola. Probably Nicola. Really? Yeah, I mean, a lot of times, like, he, he understands the game so well. Like, you know, you give him something, he already can comprehend it. Like, we'll go over plays and, you know, we'll ask, you know, okay, what's the name of this play? And, he's he knows what the play is is there a difference between basketball
1: iq and feel feel for the game um that, the reason i ask because he seems like a player that's more feel of the game and like you bring him mm-hmm. something and he's like yeah
2: yeah i i see that uh-huh. but if you have you ask him to describe it mm-hmm. he's not going to describe it to you it's yeah but some people you know they they can see stuff but they can't describe it okay and maybe that's how he is too but um, Nicola is extremely intelligent, especially when it comes to basketball. Like you know, he, he sees things, uh, even when like in the huddle when coach will draw up an ATO. You know, afterward, you know, if he sees something in the ATO or because you know the way they were guarding, he'll mention it to one of the guards and, and you know tell them, okay, well maybe look for this. You know, this might happen because they've been guarding it this way. Um, so I would probably say for me, fastest learner would be Nicola, and uh,
1: pays the closest attention to the details. And when I mean this, i mean talking about individual skill work more than like team stuff, but just Mm. when you're going through it, they all want to know every little
2: movement. Little things like that. You know what? That's hard because... You don't really get too many guys really that pay attention to like the little. See, this was
1: details. me. This is why it's funny because this was my thing. Is mm. I my favorite video? Do you remember Kobe working out with king Yeah, and it was like a twelve minute video, and like mm. six of those are him it was doing like the grainy, it was this, a grainy this, video. yeah, grainy video. Yeah. He's doing the same pivot, and you can just uh-huh. tell he's looking at the exact spot width uh-huh. of his
2: feet and everything. Mm. And I was just like, man, this is a guy that's obsessed with the detail. Yeah, I mean, um, I've never had the chance to work with Kobe. Um, right. Yeah. I've obviously talked with guys that have worked with him and. You know his attention to detail and you know his desire to know all that is you know second to none um i don't i don't think i've ever had anybody like that um but attention to detail like that i can't say i've really had anyone that's really really like that um we've had guys that love basketball and they watch it all the time yeah. so, so 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 they know a lot of stuff but in terms of guys that you know want to watch film and get more film and we go with a scouting report. They know it. I uh, can't say anyone really stood out with that question. Imagine,
1: imagine Joe Johnson was this way again, just because like uh-huh. when you you can slow his movements down and you're like, mm. yeah, that's textbook. He just mm. everything's textbook. But
2: maybe uh, it's natural though. No, you know, some guys a lot of his natural.
1: Joe,
2: you know, he just talented. Yeah. a lot of stuff he just did because you know just God given ability.
1: JB, this was this was phenomenal man you know i know you're gonna be a head coach one day i hope so. after that though <laughs> you're gonna to have to be a podcaster because I'm, it's a natural so. man You've sounds got, fun i really appreciate it everybody thanks so much for tuning in we'll be back again of course tomorrow with brand new episodes
3: as you guys may or may not know taking care of your teeth is pretty important So our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. That's 303-988-0711.